Hi, guys. Hi. Hi. How are you doing this week? Good. Fine. All right. Well, this is That's Sick, the podcast where we like to talk about really gross stuff that you may or may not be secretly fascinated with. You are. Yeah, you are. I'm hosting this week. I'm Justine. I'm JB. I'm Heather. And it is it is Galentine's Day today. Happy Galentine's Day. Yes. We're yeah, we're recording on Galentine's Day. We'll not be released for about a week or so. I realized that last week I was talking about something extreme. I was talking about the about the Oscars, extremely topical, and I was like, oh, so and so is gonna win or that this is that. Yeah, and they totally didn't win. <laughs> yeah. And then it's gonna now that episode is, you know, aired, you know, after like a week after the the Oscars aired, which is fine oh you're gonna look like a dumb asshole it's fine but yeah i realized that after we talked about it but yeah i no, i was happy actually the way the oscars turned out i i predicted 1917 to win best picture but pairs i won and that was pretty that's cool better. that's better yeah that was really cool even though i really liked 1917 but that's honestly just my personal taste because i like uh world war one world war two type movies like i was super into dunkirk and things of that nature and I just really like war movies. But I understand that, like, uh, but Parasite was, like, way more cool because it was, like, I don't want to spoil anything. Everybody should watch Parasite. And people, especially in my job, keep asking me because they know I'm really into movies and stuff. They keep asking, like, what's this Parasite all about? It won the, all the awards. What's this all about? And I'm like, it's, I can't tell you anything because it will spoil it. Like, there's a twist. So just see it. But all I can say is it's a commentary on capitalism and capitalism is bad. Okay. Have you guys seen it? No. No. See it. I yeah. Mean, I can't spoil it for you, but it's a commentary on capitalism and it's great. I'm sure I will eventually when it's yeah. like on a streaming whatever. And it's a thriller. Yeah. It's 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 a great uh, best picture winner because I think it has enduring. People are going to watch it for years and years. Well, and wasn't it the first foreign language, like non-English language film to win best picture? I believe so. I might have made that up. I, it it might have been unless you count like the artist, which was a silent film. Mm, okay. Well, <laughs> anyway. Uh, so before we jump into things, do we have sickest thing of the week in a bad way to share? Uh, yeah. Uh, the Virgo already authorized that I was allowed to share the fact that our cat TB pissed on his hockey gear, and he didn't realize it until he got to hockey. He plays uh, ice hockey a lot for like beer league and he got to hockey uh last night and he realized it and he had to put it on and play hockey in like pissy gear oh that's like i on him i don't think i would have done it was, he, was he playing a game or just practicing it's 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 never practice it's, it's just always they, game always games yeah oh yeah I, ugh. But yeah, so he came home and he washed it all and he washed himself and stuff and he washed his bag and washed everything. But he was like, because he loses money every time he does. It. It's like, you know, costs money every time he has to because the ice time costs money. And yeah, shit. yeah, I guess. So but yeah, I don't know if I, w I probably wouldn't have done it. I would have been like, sorry, guys, I'm gone. <laughs> but same, I, same. I guess he could tolerate that. That was sick. That was very sick. To yeah, me. that's like, but yeah. he. <laughs> Uh, we should just point out though, that today TB is being a perfect angel so far, at least so far since I've walked into the house. Yeah, he is a perfect angel, especially when he sleeps. Like, he he looks so cute and perfect he when he does. sleeps. Oh, my God. When so he sleeps angelic. in his box, his pretty box. Oh. He's so sweet. Yeah. But he's a little little fucking asshole. But uh, Virgo fully acknowledges it was his own fault. 
because he placed him on top of his hockey bag. And oh. once you place TB on top of something, it gives TB permission to lay down on it, sleep on it, and eventually urinate on it. Noted. Definitely noted. Yeah. He's a bad guy. JB, you got anything? Well, small thing. I found one of my press-on nails in a bag of almonds this no! week. Gross. Yeah, I was, I, I, was like, I was like, oh, what the fuck? Oh, I don't know. I wore these like a month ago. That's gross. Oh, no. I did not eat it. Oh, oh. well, at least it was your press-on nail, yeah. not somebody else's. No, it's definitely one that I had bought. And I was like, this is, this is a janky-ass moment in my life. <laughs> you missed an opportunity. You could have feigned ignorance and then gone to the manufacturer and been like, look what I found in my bag of almonds. I demand free almonds for life. That would be unethical. I would never. Yeah, you're right. I probably would also never. Well, I think both of you have me beat this week. Um, I have a very minor sickest thing of the week, and that is I uh, just yesterday I went to touch my nose, like kind of that like the crease where like your nose meets your cheek kind of. And it felt like really tender. And I could tell that there was a pimple coming, even though I couldn't see it yet. And sure enough, today it was sprouting. So I went ahead and I did the whole like I have a you know an extractor tool that I use. You guys look confused. No, I have an extractor tool. Yeah, so I got to do that today and, you know, squirt some pus out. Oh, yeah. That was, I mean, it was gross, so I'm going to put it in the bad way camp. Was there a lot of pus? No, because it, it, was, it wasn't very big, but I'm actually hopeful that I, like, nipped it before it got worse. That's all. I feel like a big stupid stupid because my buddy Becca told me recently about like putting Neosporin underneath the Band-Aid on a zit overnight. And I feel like, I'm like, how did I not know that? Because uh, I did that trick. I'm like a big red motherfucker. And it it did like kind of make it so it didn't explode. And it, it took the pain away. It worked? Yeah, it worked. Like it, hmm. it, it didn't take it away immediately, but it calmed it down like you know because you could tell it was about to erupt you know into a big angry whitehead you know redness and all that angry gore and it just kind of like because what it is what those big whitehead like ready nasty ones are is infected pore so if you put neosporin on it obviously that's an antibiotic you're gonna you know help that out a little bit so when you put a band-aid over it overnight and that's just kind of yeah it's like made it go away a lot faster i was gonna say too i don't mind like the ones that come to a head i prefer because i can pop them pop pop pop, pop which so so let's be clear listeners it is unsanitary to pop your zits with your fingers i've done it but i use a metal tool that's just like same as what they would use in a doctor's office I sterilize it. Well, I, I sterilize it with rubbing alcohol. Um, before I use it, I wash my hands. I put rubbing alcohol over where the pimple is. So I, you know, I'm trying not to introduce germs to the situation. Yeah, it sounds like you're doing I, everything right. Well, I am almost 38. One would hope I've learned how to do something right by now. I still pop <laughs> my fingers. Yeah, like, I, I, will I do it do, like an animal. I'll, do, I'll pop them with my fingers. In, animal style. Yeah, but I have, that's why they have the extractor. Um, I The ones I hate are the ones that, never get to the whitehead stage you know when they're just like red and like really under the skin yeah that's and what just the neosporin never... can help with oh thank god because those are my like i was actually worried that this one was going to be like that and so today when i saw it had a white like a little white head i was like oh thank god i'm popping the shit out of this right now so yeah. that was that was mine 
All right. Well, we love talking about zits. We do on this podcast. Oh yeah, um, Heather. I think you were definitely the grossest. Cool. This week. Thanks. Yeah. Good job. Does that mean I get to go first? It doesn't. Does uh, I think actually, JB, you're probably grosser this week, so maybe I should go first. It doesn't you really think? matter. Yeah. Or do we want to close with the grosser thing? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Clo- oh, close you want me with to go, JB. You want me to go last? And me go first because I think JB will be grosser. Yeah. I can roll with that. It's up to you, Justine, but um, that's the facts. I, I- think hers is going to be like more like, Bleh. I trust your judgment. I think this sounds like a good plan. Okay. I'm ready. Cool. So our uh, topics are kind of like having to do with human body parts and various things you can do with them. I don't want to spoil what JB's story is, but I'm going to like do a little intro into mine and then, you know, hers will kind of like oh, relate a little bit. So we'll see. Real quick. Yeah. I just I'm not sure you realized you did this, JB, but you definitely spoiled it on Facebook. Oh, yeah, you did. You posted something on Facebook and I'm like, oh, well, that's what the topic is this week. Oh, I wasn't even thinking about. Ha! Yeah, sorry. Yeah, we know um, what Joby. That's true. I mean, I, I don't didn't say specifically, though, what I, I was talking know, about. I don't know exactly. Oh, I have a pretty good idea what you're talking about, but I don't know what the details are. So I'm still excited. I just. Sorry, I was riffing. Oh, well, then she knows. Uh, uh, you know what JB's is, but you don't know what mine is. I still didn't allude to exactly what mine was. It just has. You just know it has to do with uh, body parts. Yeah. Many times. I'll just start from. Let's start from the very beginning. So, uh. Many times in doing research for this podcast, I'm struck by an ethical sickness, you know, as well <laughs> as a literal sickness. And I'm often like, sometimes I'm kind of like, I don't know, should I really get all into like the ethical business of it? Because we're not really like a political podcast and I don't want to, you know, ruffle too many feathers. We're just really here to make disgusting, to disgust people, right? I mean, except for all the times when we got really political. Okay, that's fine, because I'm going to do it again. Good. Christopher Columbus, the original fuckboy. Oh, God, what a fuckboy. White dreads. Bad. Bad. Oh, my God. I'm so glad that we were all so fervently in in agreement that white dreads are bad, because they're, oh, I hate them so much. Okay, so this week's topic is an excellent example of, like, a melding between, like, political sickness and literal sickness. As we all know, there is a worldwide shortage of human organs and also a surplus of poor people. Therefore, the black market organ trade is a thing that exists. And that's what I'm going to be talking about. Uh oh. Hell yeah. Let me sell off my part. Specifically the the black market kidney trade, because that is something that you that's like the main organ that is in the highest demand that you can donate from a living donor the easiest. Well, and that's also like you hear all those urban legends about. Oh, yeah, I'm going to go into that. Waking up in a tub of ice. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's exactly it. You know what? I'm actually going to jump a little bit. That's It doesn't matter because I'm going to jump because you asked about that. I'm going to jump a little bit to that part. That's the thing is like this is an or that's all it is, is an urban legend about waking up. We've all heard that story. I don't know if you have heard that story. We have about waking up in a bathtub full of ice like you get. You're a businessman on a business trip to, I don't know, Miami, okay? And uh, you're at the hotel bar, and then you meet this beautiful woman, 
and uh you know she's offering you drinks you know and then she's rubbing your back she's rubbing in a very back. weird specific part she's crossing her legs towards you in a suggestive way you know indicating she's interested and next thing you know you know you're in her hotel room and uh then <laughs> you wake up in a bathtub full of ice and your kidneys are removed you have a big slash in your back your kidneys removed uh there might be a note on you that says you know Call 911 right now. This is what happened to you. Sorry about you. But yeah, that's all it is, is really it's it's that's a that's a myth. That doesn't really happen. That hasn't really happened. There's not been re- actual reports of that happening. So when you say hasn't really happened, we don't know. Like there, like you said, there's no actual report of it happening. Yeah. I don't know if there's uh there might have been one case of that happening, who knows? But it's definitely not an epidemic. Like it's been popularized in popular culture like there's it was definitely highly featured in that movie in the 90s urban legend the actual movie urban legend it is an urban legend it was in the movie urban legend and uh it was featured in a law and order episode in 1991 so we can at least plug it back to pop culture back then tv is sniffing inside of justine's boot again (gasps) again yeah. I feel so blessed. My cat has a foot fetish. He likes to stink. He must be a Pisces. As long as he doesn't pee in it. So, yeah, that's the popular culture image. And that is gross because, like, you know, oh, my God. I think I don't know if you've guys heard of this movie called Dirty Pretty Things, but that that is also it wasn't mentioned in my research, but I've seen that movie. And uh, that was a movie starring Chiwetel Ejiofor and the chick that played Amelie, Audrey Tattoo. Tutu, Audrey Tutu. She's French. And uh, that was that dealt with uh, the black market organ trade and like, you know, people in hotels like harvesting organs. But yeah, it's mostly that's just pop culture. Not to say that the actual black market organ trade is not a real thing because it definitely sure is. It just operates in a slightly different way. So TV, quit making noise. He can make as much noise as he wants. He's being disrespectful. He's my favorite of your cats. Oh, my God. You like him more than Josie? I, you've always known this. But Josie's your little friend now. And she is my little friend, but TB is still my boy. Okay. So the kidney is one of the most popular, I believe, probably the most in demand because, you know, you've got two of them. And they're delicious. They're delicious. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, you know, so a lot of people can donate one and live perfectly fine, you know, as long as they, you know, maintain their, their health otherwise. So since 2010, one in five transplanted kidneys is estimated to be black market. Damn. Sounds like a lot, right? That sounds like a lot. Yeah. Oh. I found several different prices, like there's ranges of different prices, obviously, you know, depending on where you get it done, who's doing it, et cetera, et cetera. But it's about like 100,000 to about 200,000 in that area, maybe 100,000, 150,000 in that area of uh, basically you're the recipient and you're paying that much to get this black market kidney. There are many people involved. So that amount gets distributed to a lot of different people. You know, there's the doctors, there's the facilitator people, there's the nurses, you know, there's the hospital, there's there's obviously the donor. So the donor themselves, that they also, depending on where they live and, you know, the circumstances, depends on how much they get paid. In Turkey, I found around $10,000 was the average. 
that the donors received. Not enough. Mm-hmm. Not enough. In the Philippines, it went as low as sometimes like $1,600. <gasps> I mean, I know money goes, like the dollar goes further in certain places, but wow. Yeah. I wonder, I just wonder what $1,600 there means here. Well, um, a lot of people in, the, uh, for example, a lot of people in the Philippines that I saw. So let me first talk about real quick mention my source my main source is this documentary called tales from the organ trade which interestingly is narrated by the director david cronenberg of the fly fame oh random very random but yeah he narrated it it was uh released by hbo several years ago and it's really good highly recommend it's super interesting that's my main source but not my only single source and these people in the philippines they showed uh they interviewed a lot of them and some people said oh yeah what well, i bought a motorcycle i you know spent some on drinking you know sometimes they partied with it but a lot of times they also were able to lift themselves out of poverty with it so you know some of them say i bought a store i bought a farm i bought some goats i bought you know this one guy started up his little business he bought an electric skateboard is what it was to transport people on this like little track back and forth then he like charged pennies to people that could you know in the village to like basically made his own little like you know trolley system you know it was real cute so yeah some people you know depending on who they were some people did responsible things with the money and some people did irresponsible things with the money that's kind of like the risk you take so yeah you can make as little as sixteen hundred dollars but it can buy you know that that's the kind of stuff it can buy in the philippines that's the general examples that they they gave they interviewed a different uh various people from other countries that donated including in the united states there was this guy from philadelphia he swam many waters up the schuylkill river to donate his kidney uh he actually met this guy on craigslist and he sold it for 20k so this is like you know just a dude that you you and I, just like you or me, would know. He just lives in Philly, and he needed some money. He was really, you know, kind of hard up, and his family needed some money sometime. And the guy, he, he was motivated, yes, by the money, but, too, also for altruistic reasons. Like, his heart, he did say that his heart, like, went out to the recipient. But their whole, like, ethical, you know, I don't know. There's so many spots to be exploited in this whole situation. So the operation itself, like this is the disgusting in the sick part, like the visceral sick part. It's often done in like clandestine temporary locations that it can move from place to place. And you just have to like, you don't know where it's going to be. Like in the documentary, they talked about this clinic in Kosovo, which is the most recently, it's, it's the youngest country in Europe, essentially. You know, we all know there was like a war there several years ago in the 90s or early 2000s. And, several years ago. Yeah, several years ago, you know. God, it was like, what, 20 years ago now? Mm-hmm. Almost 20 years ago? Mm-hmm. We're old. But, you know, it's often done in unsafe conditions. <laughs> Justine's, like, very quietly trying to reach for the the Dove chocolates. Like a cat. Yeah, like a kitty. You did All that this, really well. We have we have Valentine's chocolates on the table. <laughs> All this talk about organ trafficking is getting Justine hungry. You know it. So it's done in a kind of unsafe manner. Some, I mean, it seems like a lot of the hospitals were legit, but like one was an orthopedic hospital and they were doing these kidney transplants like on the sly. And then when these agents came in, like busted in to try and bust them, essentially, uh, they put like 
casts on these transplant patients like you know <laughs> and it worked they're like yeah we they put plaster plaster casts on everybody and uh it was this uh this was the story was told by this doctor uh, named Dr. Zaki Shapira. And uh, he also said that uh, the doctor would perform up to six to seven transplants at a time within a 24 to 48 hour period. So can you imagine that? The doctor is like basically working straight like two days, like 24 hours to 48 hours straight performing transplant after transplant after transplant because it's not like you can space them out like a normal doctor would you have to like you know rush to this place mm-hmm. and you know it has to be hidden from the authorities sometimes it has to move multiple times because they think that the interpol might be on their ass okay so modern medicine has advanced to the point where the kidney can be harvested most safely through a laparoscopic surgery so if you don't know what a laparoscopic surgery, a lot of people, it's very common. Many skirt surgeries are done laparoscopically. It's essentially where they punch a hole through your abdomen. <laughs> really. They punch a hole and then they put a little camera in there. Though I watched a video of this. I had to sign into YouTube today. It's like sign in to verify that you're old enough to watch this graphic surgery video. I'm like, Jesus Christ, really? so they punch a hole with this big needle and they insert a little it's like this camera slash little port thingy and then they put a stylet through that hole and so they're looking at the screen as they're like poking around in your organs and then they like they clamp off the arteries and the veins and then they cut them and then they insert a stylet that has like a little bag on the end of it and then they encase the kidney in the bag and then they just like pull it out through one of the holes it looks so gross so um and and this is what they're doing for these like um illicit no this is what they do for legit this is what they do for legit for illicit all of the people in the philippines that they showed on that documentary had a massive scar on their abdomen that was like at least a foot long and they basically underwent what is called an open nephrectomy so they were yeah given this large incision and not given the opportunity to have like small scars they all had very they all have very large scars so there is that added like disgustingness to it where it's not a simple surgery on the black market, there's not a lot of screening processes put into place. So if you give up your kidney and it turns out that your kidneys weren't all that healthy to begin with, you may end up needing a kidney transplant yourself someday in the future because you only have one good working one that is not so strong. And that's happened. what happened to one guy in the, in the documentary. He, didn't, he donated his kidney for money and he didn't realize he kind of already had kidney disease and now his kidneys like started failing. His one kidney left failed, like started failing immediately after he got his other one removed. Did he still get paid for the kidney that he donated or did yeah. they, so did they end up using like a diseased kidney yeah. in someone else? Yeah, yeah that's the, exactly. That, oh. that, is, that is exactly the other ha- part of it that's terrible is the recipient got a diseased kidney so they their transplant that they went through all the trouble of doing and uh money and travel and all that stuff and having to face the ethical decision of am i going to pay money 
you know, to somebody to give me their kidney, you know, and that failed. And often, it, you know, it can fail even if you do everything right. So uh, there is, though, a growing argument to legitimize and regulate the sale of organs. But the World Health Organization still argues that it is indeed a very slippery slope. Uh, I watched a TED talk about this. And in seems like in the movie, The Tales of the Organ Trade, it seemed like they were kind of more in favor of going towards there should definitely be some kind of a open, you know, allowed legal type organ trade. Because if we did that, then the statistics say there would be enough donors for needed recipients and the wait list would be eliminated. But at the same time, there's so many different factors for the donors to be exploited. But now on the black market trade, they're already being exploited. So it's like, but how is it? Okay. I mean, I, I, I totally get what you're saying. And, you know, I love to like, okay, not play devil's advocate because we decided a long time ago that you guys think that's a bullshit yeah. term. I'm not playing devil's advocate. Men I'm just, love doing that. I hate throwing, that. I love playing devil's advocate. But anyway. You're so Pisces. Just throwing some things out here. Okay. <laughs> So it is we people can and do things like they donate sperm, yeah, eggs, yeah, plasma, yeah, for money, yeah. Which now those are well, e eggs are a finite resource. Sperm and plasma, they you know you get you know those you create more of that. And you know obviously you're not going to grow a new kidney. I just I guess yeah, aren't we already on the slippery slope? Then I guess is my point. Like it, like if people who are worried about a slippery slope, we are already in a world where it's okay to sell some parts of your parts body, parts of your body, but not others. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I guess there is still risks. I don't think there's a ton of risks to donating your sperm because don't doesn't a guy just like go to a room and fucking jack off and then yeah, you yeah, that, yeah. It's and big deal. Um, and, and to be clear, obviously, it's not. I'm not equating. You know, like the invasiveness of a kidney you know, like procedure is is on a completely different level than donating like plasma. Even I think donating your eggs, I think, is much more invasive than donating your sperm, but probably not as invasive as donating a kidney. Yeah, that's what I'm that's what I'm about to say. Like, I mean, I, I, I don't really care if anybody knows, but I I donated my eggs and I donated my plasma. That's Both. awesome. You donate. So you might have. Oh, OK. We don't have to talk about that right now. You yeah, have children. That's fascinating. I might have children. I didn't know I don't that. Know about. Wait, how long ago is that? I did it twice. I did it once in my they were both in like my mid to late 20s because oh, wow. you can't really donate. You can't really donate after 20, 30. Anyways. I was going to say it's too late for me. I wish I had thought of it when I was younger. And I'm not telling you how much I got paid for it. Well, I was, I'll tell I, you off mic. I was going to say, I'm not going to ask you I'll to do, disclose I'll tell that. You, yeah, I'll tell you all off mic, but I'm not telling people on mic. So I know you said you were done. I And I we got on that tangent because we were kind of not debating exactly, but just, you know, just kind of talking about the, you know, just the ethics behind donating your organs, on, well, really selling them on a, on the black market and the pros and cons. I mean, I I usually tend to be on the side of legalizing and regulating the things that a lot of people think are bad like yeah, yeah same um legalize it you know whether it's you know you can make money off you know the government can get money out of the taxes or in this case it's people's bodies like i i, I think prostitution i think sex work specifically sorry sex work should be legal yeah. and regulated yeah. and that that's another that's another area where um you know it's rife with opportunity for exploitation of course but people are already being exploited I think it would be better if 
women had like recourse and protection. Well, men too. Obviously, yeah, men people. can be sex for people. Yes, thank you. Sorry, people can have protections and empowerment, um, more em- empowerment. Yes, empowerment. Um, you know, frame legal frameworks to fall back on. No more fucking pimps. Right, and you know, again, it's your it's your body. You know, you should. It's yours. You should be able to do what you want with it. Okay, so yeah, uh, the TED Talk is by this woman named Frederike Ambagsteer. Ambagsteer. That's, that's a cool name. And uh, it's only about 15 minutes long or so. And she advocates for a free and open organ trade, kidney trade specifically. And uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's an interesting talk. It's hard to argue I guess it's 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 whatever you say. I definitely think it is higher risk to donate your kidneys than your eggs, but at the same time, who are we to tell anybody, you know, what to do with their own body or, you know, how to lift themselves out of poverty? If this is their only choice, you know, and they choose to take it of their own free will. I mean, but that I think that does raise a good point, like you said, you know, with ethical concerns and concerns about exploitation, to think that that could be your only choice is to sell a part of your body that you might need. And, you know, that's something that well-off people never even have to think about. Do you guys remember, like, I don't remember which episode it was. It was one of our first ones. And we talked about how a couple hundred years ago, poor people actually tended to have better teeth than rich people because rich people ate so much sugar. Oh yeah. oh, yeah. And poor people didn't eat sugar. And so poor people had much better teeth. And um, so actually they their teeth were in high demand to create dentures for the rich people. And so poor people would sell their teeth. Yeah. You know, I, I think we agree. You should be able to sell your body parts if you want. But it's also that it shouldn't be anyone's like last resort. You know, and I think it, it I think it's just one of those things. It's it's, you know, complex and we and should. I don't think one precludes the other. Like I don't think I don't think that potential exploitation is a reason. I'm 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 in favor. I'm in favor of it being legal and Legalized. regulated. But I think the exploitation angle just kind of like raises the point that there are other things we need to do as a society to protect each other and have safety nets so that no one ever has to resort to donating a kidney GB. to survive. I agree. Agree. Okay. <laughs> Double check in, but yeah. And but I, I generally feel you should be able to sell whatever part of your body you want. Oh yeah, 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 whatever. I mean, don't sell diseased organs to be put inside of other people's bodies, but yeah, that would be sick. So, which part, which body part would you guys um, be willing to sell on the black market, and for how much? If I was destitute, or well, or if you just if you say you wanted to buy a Maserati, I don't know. <laughs> okay, oh. hypothetically, if I really, really, really wanted a Maserati, which I never would ever want. Uh, I've already sold my my eggs, so that's a non-issue. Obviously, I'd sell my eggs in, but but they don't want my old eggs now. Yeah, my thirty-six-year-old eggs are like I'd like sell my skin, I guess, because you can stretch that out and make shit out of your skin, right? Not all of my skin. You can't have all my skin. Well, no, I don't want all of your skin. Edgeen, motherfucker over well, here. Well, doesn't your skin regenerate? Uh, um, to slowly, a certain extent. Well, what about can't like, have all of it? Like you know those people who lose like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pounds, and then they like. There's they have all that loose skin that they have to have surgery to cut it off. Like, can that skin be reused? Oh yeah, sure. Oh yeah, I told okay. that. So there, that I that could be an angle. You could like intentionally gain a lot of weight, In fact, and then what? also intentionally lose it, and then sell and then sell that skin. Yeah, I do that. 
Why okay. don't people fucking do that anyway? For like, burn victims. Oh my god! Like that would be a really like just take take the bari have the bariatric surgery and the burn victim surgery in the same hospital. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> and just take the I realize the skin and give it away. I understand that what I'm saying is well, a potentially hurtful. Uh, also, you you put your body under so much stress, gaining and losing weight like that. I'm not fully being serious, but you know me. I like to think about things. They do that concept, though, with certain things like, for example, my favorite show, Botched. I don't know if I mentioned this one, but they uh, they do this one lady had this patch of skin on her face that it was a skin graft from her pubic area. Hmm. Like when she was nine years old, she got bit from a dog and the doctors took the skin from her fucking pubes and put it on her face. And when she went through puberty, she started growing pubes on her face. And so she went to Dr. Nassif and they inserted this like big, like this thing into her, into her face this it was like this sack that they filled with saline it was this bubble and they uh, just filled it up and they stretched out her skin until they were able to cut the pube skin off and then just make that incision and then just sew it up because they you know then they took that bolt but she had to like live for like six months uh, not months six weeks with a giant it's basically like a tumor on the side of her jaw as it was stretching out her face so they do that for various surgeries, you know, um, here and there. They mm. do that con that that concept that you were talking about, Justine. So you would JB would donate skin. Heather, uh, you haven't decided yet. I don't think uh, you could definitely not have any of my kidneys. I'm sorry, you can't yeah. have my kidneys. You can't have a slice of my liver. Um, you can't have my corneas. I'm using those right now. Um. <laughs> yeah, my skin's the only thing I think I donate. Uh, I mean, if the price was good enough, maybe a hand. A hand? If, oh, no. Well, this depends on how much money I'm getting. No, I'm like with Heather. I, there's not. I think it'd be kind of cool to if have a If you were stump. a guy, would you donate a testicle? Yeah. I, I, I would donate a lab. A lab. I know it's not the same. Would One you lab. Would you donate your uterus since you're not using it? Uh, I don't know if that's a thing, but you know. I... That weirds you out. How huh? much? For how much? For how much? Well, how much would it take? Okay. Uh, I would donate my uterus. And in what circumstances? Am I me or am I like living? You're you. You're you. I'm, you. I'm me. It's you. Okay. I got 50K. Can I have your uterus? No. All right. 100K. I, you can't have my uterus for less than a million dollars. Okay. Um, okay. And I, I, you can definitely not have my ovaries because I don't want to go into early menopause just yet. You can have my uterus maybe. But uh, yeah, probably for a cool million, because that honestly doesn't go that far these days. <laughs> Boy, yeah, you're rich. You can't. You, can't, you well, no, you can't retire on that. Not no, really. No, you can't retire on that. I need to put it into fucking. I mean, unless uh, you're planning IRA. on unless you're planning on dying right away. Mm, hopefully not. So, and as the person who devised this question, I don't think I would sell any. I would, you know what? To throw back a couple episodes, I I would sell my poop. If my poop was deemed <laughs> good enough to but donate, your poop is just waste. You're yeah, you not literally using flush it. that. Yeah, you flush it. It has, it has uh, cells that sloughed off the insides of my intestines, so it has it's it has parts of my body in it. So, you, but and remember, you said that the bacteria colony that lives in our guts is like another organ. Yeah, and the poop is mostly bacteria. Anyway. That's all I would sell. So you're part of the self-preservation society. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, 100%. I mean, okay, but <laughs> I, that doesn't mean... Now, we're talking about selling on the black market. 
that that is a very different conversation from loved one needs you to donate something. Right. And you're a match. We're talking black market. That's a, that's a different conversation that we are not having right now. The so. black market is fun. Oh, final note to my story before we moved on to JB's. That in that documentary, <laughs> there is this guy they interviewed. Uh, he lives in Denver and he really needed a kidney. And he, uh, his daughter, like, ha- was a match, but she wouldn't donate it to him. And they had this like really awkward conversation <laughs> that they filmed. And and she's just like, yeah, I just, I just, I just can't do it, you know. And and they got a stranger eventually. Later on, it was it was. Nice ending to the story because the stranger donated the kidney to the dad, but it was like, it was so awkward. I mean, I'd be I'd be nervous to do it. I I don't. Well, you know, I think it's one of those things you wouldn't know what you'd do until you're faced with a decision. She said she was like, oh, if I if it was my kids, if I donated to my kids, that would be different. She kept, she said that would be different, but not her dad. Her dad can't have her kidney. Well, there. I mean, there could be a whole backstory there that we don't know about with that yeah, relationship. That, I mean, who can say? That's what I was thinking. I was like, oh, she must not like her dad very much. You know, like there must be something going on. All right. Well, on that note, I think we've thoroughly debated the topic. I clearly really liked this one. Oh, I'm I so glad you I did. I wouldn't shut up about it. Uh, JB, it is finally your turn. Oh, is it my turn? Yeah. Oh, okay. So let's talk about body parts. From your Facebook post, I'm going to guess it has to do with disposing them. Can I can I give you a musical intro first, though? I would love it. Thank you. Let the bodies hit the floor. Ooh. Is that good? Yes, but it's more like let the bodies hit the ground or various scenarios. <laughs> Not just the floor. Is Okay, you know what? I Let's just, okay, go. I'm going to go. I'm going right. to go. Today, I'm going to talk about body farms. <gasps> I love body farms. Oh, okay, so you, so you know about body farms? A smidgems. Body farms. Sounds like a majestic field, sprouting whatever kind of limb that you might want. Ooh, <laughs> up from the soil? Yes. Or or maybe like a cabbage patch where, where babies just sprout from the land. Or a- Xavier Roberts is tilling. That's where babies come from, right? Yeah, Xavier Roberts is the cabbage patch guy. He's like his signatures on all the cabbage patch dolls' butts. No, but... No, that's that's not what a body farm is. No, yeah. we're going to talk about corpses again. Yeah, yeah. corpses. Uh, the term body farm comes from Patricia Cornwell's 1995 crime novel of the same name. Oh. And it was used to describe an anthropological research facility in the book. But what are they? They are a research facility where decomposition can be studied in various settings. It was invented in 1971 by William M. Bass at the University of Tennessee in Knoxville. He came up with the idea after doing consulting work with the local police department. A grave from the Civil War era for Colonel William Shy had been disturbed, and a surprisingly fresh-looking body was inside of the grave. Mm. So Bass came over and he looked at it and he's like, yeah, yeah, definitely Somebody switched out the bodies. This is definitely a new body. Not even a year old. This is a this is a brand new body. Uh-oh. So they studied the clothing and the teeth and they're like, no, no, this is him. I guess, as we discussed in our previous episode with uh, burial and embalming, due to embalming in a very tightly sealed iron casket, that's just how well preserved the body was. Oh, oh my God. So yeah. they, they thought it was a new body and not in It was in a hundred year old body. What? Yeah. Wow. Oh, wow. Wild. Creepy. Oh, did they take pictures? 
I don't know. I didn't. I didn't look for pictures of this. <laughs> this this is, it probably exists. It's this the is, internet. This is the reason why the podcast exists in a nutshell. My first reaction is ah, and then my next reaction is, can I see it? Yeah, Pixar didn't happen. Pixar. It might not have. Well, I know I believe you, but I'm just like I'm gross. Anyway, yeah. So I didn't look for any pictures. But being wrong by more than 100 years made Bass know that maybe more study needed to be done into the field of decomposition. Now, there are seven different body farms in the United States. Seven. There's seven. They are in. That's a lucky number, isn't it? It's very lucky. Okay. Depending on what culture, not to the Chinese people. Oh, true. Three is a lucky number for them. Right. Not four. Not four. Four is death. They're in Knoxville. Western Carolina, Texas State University, Sam Houston State University, Southern Illinois, Colorado Mesa, and the University of South Florida. Wait, which is the closest one to us then? I'm going to guess. No- Knoxville? Yeah, I'm going to guess Kentucky or Tennessee. Yeah, Knoxville, yeah. I would think. Uh, we said there's one in Chicago. Southern Illinois, so no. Oh, uh, no, well, then definitely Knoxville. Well, yeah, uh, that might be close. I mean, I'm going to guess Knoxville. They're probably equidistant. I'm guessing Knoxville is about eight hours from here. There is somebody who proposed doing one near Cal U, but I couldn't find any information on it actually happening. So I don't know if this is just a guy who donated his land to be used to be a potential body farm in the future. So there might be one close to us soon. Cal U, for anybody that doesn't know, is the California <laughs> University oh, of Pennsylvania. <laughs> Even if you're Thank a Pennsylvanian. You. You might not. I did not know that when I moved here. I thought I was very confused by both California and Indiana. They had a commercial about 10 years ago with a jingle that was like, Cal, you. One of my favorites. Yeah, I loved it. But yes. So in Western PA, sorry. But it's not there. So that would be closest to us, but it didn't happen yet. Anyway. So the one in the University of Tennessee in Knoxville is the original body farm. It opened in 1981. Over 100 bodies are donated to it annually, and they have 1,300 of them self-pre-registered. It's just waiting to give their bodies to them. 1,300 people? Pre-registered, yeah. So, But they only accept about 100 every year. Well, or these people just haven't died yet. Oh, okay. Yeah, I guess like... <laughs> yeah, it's like, not like 1,300 people are like... Yeah, I don't think there's a waiting list to get you. in. Uh, this research facility is frequently used to help law enforcement. It also hosts the William Bass Skeleton Collection, the largest collection of American skeletons in the United States. Cool. It's it's made up of former subjects of the body farm. And no, you can't go. Okay. How could you talk? I was actually, so listeners, I was doing a little dance, but I was also going to try to contain myself and wait until JB had finished with her segment before I asked any questions. But you just answer the question I was going to ask. Yeah, unless you're going into forensic anthropology and you're, you're a student. Mm, but I want to see. I don't know. Go sign up for an anthropology class and try to fake your way in. Fuck that. Just uh, just go to Pitt and just sit in the back of a classroom. It doesn't matter. They're I, not going to notice. I, already well, took... I don't think you get to go to the skull collection, though. Yeah, uh. I took the death class. I took the death class when I went to Pitt and we learned about the body farm. And I've been oh. obsessed ever since. Oh, okay. So you... Oh, man, well, I really wish I had taken that fucking class. Yeah, but remember, this was like Close to two decades ago, so it's fine. I, I've forgotten all of it. You, you might know some supplemental data. <laughs> uh, supplemental <laughs> data. I did not say that correctly. You, no, you have the best words. I always. Always. <laughs> always. You're just inventing new ways to speak. It's fine. 
I'm a dum-dum. Supplemental data. <laughs> Stop it. Own it. Okay. I love Supplement- it. I am. I'm owning my dumbness. Uh, but anyway, the big skeleton collection is not just to look goth AF and to be cool. No. They- no, they use the data and the measurements from these skeletons to help forensic anthropologists determine the sex, height, and ancestry of crime victims or unidentified bodies. Maybe not crime victims, but dead. They also study mass graves at this site. Mm. Yeah, I guess they look and see how the bodies affect each other when stacked all up like little dead sardines. Ugh, oh, you look, you look like you really like that, Justine. You no, I'm, I'm sorry. It's just, okay, because like I said, I learned about this, you know, way, way, way long ago when I was at Pitt. And I, I've just been, fa- I'm fascinated by the body farms and like what it's used for. So I just like love hearing about, I just love hearing about all the different ways they so think of. All of it's just making you smile to think of what they're doing. Well, because it's all for science. It is and all it, for and science. And it's to help them solve crimes and stuff. It's good, so yeah. It's, it's all good stuff. It's just anyway, gross. Okay, I'm going to stop interrupting you. Go ahead. I'm sorry. All right. The next one is Western Carolina University. It was the second one opened in 2006. So there was there was a while before the second one was open. Oh, wow. So that means when I was at Pitt learning about this, the Knoxville one was the only one that existed. Yep. And all those others that you mentioned have opened since then. These yeah. Are pretty fuck, recent. I'm, I'm old. Jeez. Mm-hmm. Oh, so this one opened in 2006 in a, in a rural campus in the Western Carolina mountains and with a focus on toponymy. Toponymy? I don't know. Uh, but that's what happens to the body after death. And they study the effects of postmortem activity, including processes like scavenging and search and rescue and basically anything that could happen to a body after it died to see what happens. What kind of animals are going to come and chomp chomp on you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. I get into the, the scavenger. Uh, I, don't, I don't know what the word what what scavenger is doing what you can tell by the scavenger records in a little bit in a little bit it's it was actually the grossest thing it was like oh oh this (laughs) is visceral this is visceral tight anyway but this one is most famous for being one of the very few research facilities in the country to train uh cadaver dogs which everybody knows are uh zombie dogs that are trained to work what are these zombie dogs trained to do uh, they they just go and find dead bodies. They're not really zombie dogs. Oh, they're just trained to deal with cadavers. Oh, so like if they're like, oh, we've got a missing person, and we think it might be it might be a murder case, and these bodies are trained to smell out dead bodies. These dogs yeah. are trained to smell dead bodies. Yeah, and then they're even they can even um smell where a dead body has been. I learned this by watching a Madeline McCann documentary on Netflix recently. Oh, yeah. That documentary, it was so many parts. It was way it too was. long. It was. Yeah. And it was one of those, like, for the first several parts, I'm like, oh, my God, this is fascinating. And then I'm like, oh, my God, why, why is this still on? Like, got too, yeah. <laughs> too much. Too much. Yeah. And then I, I, I don't even think I finished it. Same. I did not see it. The next one is the Forensic Anthropology Research Facility at Texas State University. Sorry, my computer's yelling at me. Bling. Keep going, JP. This is the third body farm, and it opened in 2008, and at 4,200 acres, it's the largest facility. It's a big old ranch, but they only use about seven of those for research right now. And they mostly focus on research to determine time since death and training law enforcement and rescue teams to find remains. Oh. They also use infrared photography and drones, which has been useful for helping the bodies of people who died crossing the Texas border. Yeah. Oh, sad. Yeah. But I guess it's the place and it's useful. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, next one is the Southwest Texas Applied Forensic Science Facility. 
uh, Sam Houston State University. Sam Houston. It, this one also opens in 2008. Research at this facility involves lots of bugs and barnacles and scavengers. They use 3D scans to study pelvises to determine the sex from remains. And they also study how fire affects human remains. So they are, they are getting into some shit here. So they just burn these bodies. They burn the bodies. They throw them in the water. They Set scrape the barnacles fire. off. They just throw bugs on them. They feed them to the coyotes. I want to be... <laughs> or at the end of this, we definitely need to do like what... Oh, yeah, yeah. We Don't worry. We will. Yeah. I'm, okay. I'm, don't, I'm on it. All right, cool. Keep going. All right. So at this one, there is one core acre of max security where they, they do all the very intense research. And then they have seven acres of training minimum security training where they have rivers on the property and they just train students and law enforcement on how to find dead bodies and see what happens to them. I'm so glad that that's minimum security. So like probably anybody could just walk in and see all of these body farms. I mean, minimum security is still a security. I'd have to like, you know, fake some credentials. Yeah. I imagine. They at least got some like, you I'm know. I'm just trying to give you hope, Justine, that you can get into one of these. Some lazy ass underpaid security guard hanging around playing his Game Boy. Just show him a boob. Yeah. Just show him your boob and then you can get in that body farm. <laughs> Be like, hey, uh, quit playing um, your Switch for two seconds. Take a look at this titties. Let me in. Let me in. I want to see them dead bodies. All right. The next one is the complex for forensic anthropology research at Southern Illinois University. This one opened in October 2010, and they started with research with pigs. This is the research facility that has the lowest temperature, the highest wind, the second lowest elevation, the most acidic soil, and the worst soil drainage. The highest wind in Chicago, you don't say. I know, I know. No, <laughs> Chicago isn't in Southern Illinois. It's in Northern Illinois. Oh, this is, yeah, sorry. I was but just I guess being, Illinois is a windy state. I was being a dickhead. Yeah, sorry. The constant low-speed winds that this climate may be very conducive to body self-mummifying. Self-mummifying? Yeah. No oh. embalming required. Yeah. You don't, oh, that's cool. Are you tired of mummifying your own remains? Just take them to Illinois. <laughs> <laughs> Mummify them for you. The wind will do it. Instant mummy. Just add wind. So this, this facility focuses on different body disposal situations. And how postmortem treatment can be identified after skeletonization. For example, a recent study is what happens to a body when it's been encased in cement. What? Oh, it stays preserved. I, they're doing it now. The research hasn't been out. Oh, they're working on oh, it. They haven't uh, cracked that egg open yet. They're, they're working they're on it. They're looking into it. God. That cement egg. That's great, though. That means they encased someone's body in cement for science. Dude, see what... I want to know what happens when you, when you like, crack it open like a geode and there's, like, you know, <laughs> human... Or, like, a kinder egg. <laughs> <laughs> it's a prize inside. Surprise it's Marty. Is, yeah, this surprise is Marty. <laughs> Marty decomposed human muck. Like, it's like... I mean, subject 23. Or... or, or... <laughs> Subject or, 23. Or is it, is it muck? Yeah, we does don't it know. break down? Right. We, we don't know. find out. It maybe could come turn on, it. Illinois. Get on it. Maybe, maybe he <laughs> looks awesome. Who can say? Maybe he I became really, a mummy. I really hope it is like a geode and it's like crystals. Like humans crystallize and you just crack open that cement and it's like, oh. Well, wouldn't it have to be buried pretty deep in the earth for it to crystallize? Doesn't Shut it? up. Okay. This was one of my favorite things that I learned. This facility is actually most known for starting a study on how lawnmowers affect 
uh, decomposing bodies. What? Because somebody accidentally rode over two subjects with a riding lawnmower. <gasps> oh, so they turned it into a study? They're like, well, this happened, so it's research. <laughs> That's oh, amazing. Scientists. Could you imagine? Okay. I love it. That's so cute. I love wow. it. <laughs> hey, you know, you gotta, you gotta make lemonade out right? of lemons. Like, instead of being like, oh, no, we ran over the subject. Like, well, what happens? Where does it splatter the remains? Like, somebody does their graduate thesis on lawnmowers versus cadavers. <laughs> somebody probably got their doctorate for that. Somebody yeah. is probably Dr. Lawnmower Bodies. <laughs> All right. The next one is the Forensic Investigation Research Station at Colorado Mesa University. This one Accepted its first human donation in 2013. So this is this is a baby facility. Fairly recent, yeah. yeah. This facility has the highest altitude and has the most arid climate, only about eight inches of rain annually. Ugh. And bodies desiccate. And I totally had to look up what this word meant. That means dry out. I should have figured it out from context clues. Yeah. So bodies in this environment de- desiccate quickly. And this facility focuses on that process and postmortem intervals of desiccated bodies and mummified bodies. So I guess to determine how long it has been since you died and you became a mummy in, in a mountain desert. It's gross. It is pretty gross. But, but they might be able to find your murderer then. That's, that's, what it's all, that's what this is all about is finding your goddamn murderer. All right. Then the last one is the University of South Florida uh, it just opened in 2018. Super recent. Yeah, super recent. I wasn't able to find too much about what they are really focusing on there. They, I mean, they probably are still, like, any research they're doing is probably still in the really early stages. Yeah. yeah. It's just no- noteworthy now for it adds a whole new climate to be studied. It's the first subtropical area. I was going to say, when you mentioned that was one of them, I was actually really intrigued because I'm like, wow, that's like, that's humid and damp and boggy. and So shit probably yeah. breaks down really fast. Yeah. Though. Like, yeah. Okay, so now that we know where the bodies are, how did they get there? So most are donated by families, but some are self-donated, as we talked about earlier. And sometimes unidentified bodies are donated by medical examiners. And they're not as choosy at the body farm as they are with medical schools. I actually didn't realize medical schools were so choosy in who they accept as bodies. Oh, are they? Yeah, they want like specific standard-sized human bodies. So they don't want anybody who's too big or too small or obese or... Oh, that's interesting. I mean, it's probably like an ease of storage and transportation and that sort of thing. You're probably right. It's probably definitely like some kind of like monetary thing where it's like they have to the storage and the the weight of cadavers and stuff. Uh, might there might be limitations or whatever. Yeah, but the the body farm will pretty much take anybody as long as they don't have. If they weren't infected with HIV, hepatitis, or an antibiotic-resistant bacteria. Mm. Oh, interesting. Okay, so they'll... Well, I mean, I guess that makes sense. Because they wanna, probably don't want the keep, researchers to have to work you, on those bodies. You have to keep people safe. Because these are, I mean, yeah, bodies are biohazards. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah. So what happens when the body gets there? So the researchers measure. They take photos, hair and blood samples, assign the body... A number and put the body in a variety of situations, either clothed or nude, caged or open, grass. Caged or free range. (laughs) Well, yeah, because they they cage some of them to keep scavengers away. And then they put some to like, I don't know, the coyotes can get this one. So they just throw in the field. Yeah. Yeah. Some are put in deep grass. Some are like put in 
area that's already been mowed. <laughs> I want to be put in some nice soft peat water. I like to put the bodies in possible homicide scenarios, like the trunk of a car, cement, oh, yeah, tied yeah. to a tree in a water tank. Like, will they like shoot the bodies? I guess so. That's if a possible to, homicide scenario. Pump your guts full of lead. My guess is that that's probably already been studied to death. I guess, but okay. I I don't know. But they just said. They just gave some examples of homicide scenarios. I thought the government didn't fund anything having to do with gun violence. Any studies having to do with gun violence? Well, that's well then, true. then perhaps not. Then please, government, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to spread misinformation. <laughs> All right. So you got the body in the farm. It's placed in its little... Oh, wait. I have a question. Oh, yeah. Do they, like, drop bodies from tall heights? Any any way a body can die, they're they're doing it. Literally, they let the bodies hit the floor. Yeah, they let the bodies hit the floor, or they gently place the bodies depending on what they need to study. Okay. Sometimes they need to study splat. I had yeah. to get that one out of the way. Yeah. Okay. If a body can die, they got it that way. So first, the body bloats, Ugh. and then yeah, the fluids inside the cells leak out, Fluid. and the bacteria converts all of the liquids and solids into gas and then the body bloats to twice its size and then the bacteria produces sulfur and gives the body a yellowish coloring called marbling <laughs> not that like is not what i thought about marbling no yeah ruining uh, mistakes for me right now yeah that made me really not hungry when i read that usage of marbling then the flies come and i think you actually talked about this on an episode a while ago right yeah yeah so the flies arrive and they lay their eggs and then these maggots hatch and eat the flesh. Usually starting with the face. I guess that's the yummiest. Softest, softest tissue. Tender flesh. Mm, eyeballs. Tender face flesh. Mm. Yeah, the eyeballs are always the tastiest. Three days after death, the purge stage starts and the body shrivels and leaks out the fluids so rich in nitrogen that it kills the surrounding vegetation. All flesh is consumed within a few weeks. At this point, you can use scavenger presence to determine the time of death. If rats are present, the body is probably less than six months old. Rats only chew on bones when they're still greasy from fat on the body. Ugh. Yeah. And they just like nipple on the ends. They eat up the marrow. And most bodies, most exposed bodies are dry by six months. If squirrels show up, the body is probably about a year old. Squirrels show up once a year, usually in the springtime when they're about to have their litters because they like to take all the calcium to their new little babies. Oh. So what can we do with this information? Solve murders. Yeah. Right. Yes. Every year, there are about 4,000 unidentified bodies found in the United States. That's... I, that, you know what? I thought it'd be more. Yeah. I was going to say that, that sounds low. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know what that says about us as a country, but... Okay. Well, Fox. with the amount, of, usually, you know, the murder happens to people that it's usually, I hate to say it, but it's like, people, it's like it's a family member. Know. It's, yeah. it's, well, it's like your husband. Somebody you know. Yeah. It's most likely, yeah. If, yeah. If you get murdered, it's most likely your fucking husband. <laughs> Probably. I was surprised that like a thousand of them still remain unidentified after. I guess that's still not that many. But yeah, even after a year, like a thousand still remain unidentified. In 2018, there were 16,000 murders committed that we know of, and 40% of them were unsolved. Oh, no. So using this information, anthropologists hope to help law enforcement solve crimes and, like, find the bodies. <laughs> <laughs> so there are some, some fun facts I learned about body farms. Bodies in black bags decompose faster than bodies in clear bags. 
Okay. Uh, there's one body farm in Australia. Okay. That was the only non-American one I could find. Really? Yeah, they're talking of doing one in the UK, and they're talking of doing one in India, but they have not. So one of the original complaints about the body farm, whenever the, the first one in Knoxville was being constructed, were neighbors and even the local airport were concerned about stink <laughs> and vultures. Oh, well. And while they... It's legit. Yeah, they weren't really able to eliminate any of those things. It's They stink. They stink like rotting bodies and there's a lot of fucking vultures. But they were able to do uh, turn it into just a study on the vulture effects on, on human bodies. Haha. <laughs> Suck it, uh, all you complainers. So um, I've been to Knoxville. Yeah. I've flown into that airport. I've been to the city. I can't say I I, I did not personally notice a, a bad smell or too many vultures. So. All right. Well, you weren't too far from the body farm. That's what that's one woman's perspective. You heard it here. <laughs> Knoxville does not stink like dead bodies. I mean, I don't live there. So at us Knoxville listeners and some some things that we've learned. And I think a lot of these probably makes sense they're probably pretty intuitive that cold weather slows decomposition heat humidity direct sunlight accelerate decomposition buried bodies decompose more slowly than bodies that are exposed acidic soil high soil moisture speed up decomposition cocaine speeds up maggot production and barbiturates slow down maggot production those maggots are on cocaine all right okay so if you want to leave behind a beautiful corpse, don't do coke first. Do, bar- do downers. Yeah, come on, guys. I don't recommend doing coke in general. It's well, not- but if you don't want the maggot to eat your body up real fast. Yeah. The only problem I could find with the body farm project is that because m- most people that are in the body farms are are donated by family or by themselves, is that most of the donors tend to be white middle class to upper middle class people. Okay, interesting. So the data may not be completely applicable to sure. all people, yeah. all lifestyles. Oh, that's a good point that I never uh I never had associated with Same. body farms. Interesting. So I I don't know what they'll have to do to maybe even at all, I'm guessing get more random donations from med- from medical examiners. Or maybe they just need to do more of a marketing push. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Donate your body <laughs> to science. Anyway. Anyway, that's that's about what I got. Do you have any more questions on body farms? Because literally there was so much information. It was so dense. I, I just could not condense it all for this podcast. I might have more in my brain that I didn't write down. I actually, I I am going to get right to the what would you do, of course. Because, oh, okay. okay, so would, would, we, would we donate our bodies to a body farm? Sure, but. I'm- I would, but that's not what I want to do. Okay. Uh, what do you want to do? Oh, I want my body to like be put into a tree. Oh, that's nice. Okay. You want to be basically like buried in a burlap sack, like mm-hmm. underneath like a tree. Yeah, that's cool. But when you say when you say put into a tree, you don't mean hanging from the tree. No, no, I don't want that. Jesus, you, I want to feed a tree. Okay. I want okay. to be a tree. Got it. Okay. Cool. Heather, what about you? Yeah, I definitely want to donate my body to science, but uh, you have to do your research. I haven't picked where I wanted to go yet. Because there's a lot of different um, places to donate your body to these farms or, you know, you can donate them to medical schools, things like that. And uh, once they're done having their way with your body, they'll basically cremate you or whatever and give your family back the remains. You can, you know, bury, do whatever you have. But 
you have to look into them because most recently I don't I didn't look up the article, but I told JB about the article. But there was a body farm that was saying, oh, yeah, you know, we're doing these kind of like nice experiments to your family members. Meanwhile, there they found this facility where they uh, there were like buckets of human arms and legs just like garbage like rubber made buckets full of like human limbs and they found like someone's grandma had been like stuffed full of explosives and exploded <laughs> and it's like that's not what i wanted for grandma like and was they, it part of legitimate research or are they just being really negligent both kind okay. of like it was not really super legitimate research it was more like we're gonna take these bodies and do whatever the fuck we want with them and we're gonna be dishonest about what we're telling you that we're doing with them like you know we're maybe just burying her out in a field we're maybe telling people but when in fact we're like stuffing her full of c4 yeah so i guess like and that kind of ties back to the marketing thing i mean so it's good to know Check into the body farm before you agree to donate. You gotta vet these places. To it. Medical um, schools are good places to go because you know a lot of times they're easy to easily vetted. <laughs> but at the same time, they're not gonna take anyone, everyone. Right. Like they probably wouldn't take me. I'm probably too big. You never know. You have to look into it. I mean, I was I actually so I've always ever since I learned about the body farms, I've loved the idea of donating my body to a body farm. Um, I'm not 100% convinced either. I also like the I like the idea of a green burial with a tree headstone, which is basically what you yeah. said, JB. At the same time, though, you know, um, with the body farms, I think you just have to go into it with open eyes, so to speak, like understanding they might do something really fucked up to your body. But it's all and if you're OK with that, I personally right. don't give a shit. I would be fine with it. Whatever. I'm an, I'm a nihilist and an atheist. And, you know, so after I leave. You know, nothing means anything anyway. I just I like the idea of doing some good because I'm also I'm also an organ donor. Oh, yeah. I'm I, assuming. Yeah, I we want all, everybody yeah, to have my organs all, first. Yeah, we're all organ donors. Uh, When I was 16 and got my driver's license for the first time, I was I was adamant. You if know, you're not an organ donor. Fuck you. You're a dick. basically what the fuck you're, you're kind you're, of. A oh, dick. my God. Um, yeah, please don't play into like there. That's a whole myth about how the EMTs like they noticed. I don't know if you ever heard that. That rumor. Oh, yeah. That they, if like you're an organ donor, they won't work as hard to like save that's your life. That's one crap. Hundred percent bullshit. Like, like EMTs get kickbacks from organs. Yeah. No, that's, that's not. That's uh-uh. just some that's just some like birth or 9-11 truth or conspiracy. One hundred percent bullshit. Please um, be an organ donor. Yeah. So I'm an organ donor and I I'm leaning towards body farm. And and I don't give a shit what they do to me. I think it's really, really interesting. You could end up in the skeleton collection. I mean, I just love, but I love that, you know, you're able to like do some good. And I guess too, because I'm like, I'm not a super altruistic person like in my life. Like I wouldn't say I'm the most selfish person, but I'm definitely not the most giving or the most selfless. But I do like the idea of my body doing as much good as possible in death. Yeah. So... And to me, that's like fucking easy. It's an easy decision to make because I'm like, I ain't using it anymore. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. So I understand how other people aren't necessarily I, that way. I and I, yes, I understand. So no judgment that. either no. way. No judgment. And I know, I think we've talked on here before about how we all think embalming and viewings are kind of creepy. And that's, I mean, we're not saying that to like make people feel bad about their views and choices. Um, yeah. 
We're just I mean, telling you what we're into. We've talked a lot about different, like, uh, you know, death cultures on this podcast. And you I know, love talking about death culture. Yeah. And I think, you know, it just comes down to there's just so many different ways to approach death and like what we do with the body afterwards. And, and it's we very... just want to open your mind. Yeah. But if they haven't been already. So, you know, on that. I mean, so, yeah, my answer is like I'm 100 percent in for the body farm. I don't give a shit what they do to me. But <laughs> Heather, I appreciate you uh, bringing up the fact or, you know, just like look into it before you donate. Because I definitely I don't want to donate my body to a body farm that's going to like fuck around and yeah. like waste my body's potential. Right. You. Yeah. That yeah. that one was like, yeah, people were. That's essentially what it was. People were thinking that their body was they were donating their loved ones bodies and they were like helping cure cancer. But when in fact they were just like, oh, what happens when you blow up this lady? Oh, it turns out she goes splat. She goes splat. Well, you know, and if it's a legitimate body farm and they, you know, are doing legitimate research and they need to blow me up, okay. Yeah. I'm like, whatever. That's fine. Same. You might need to see how far your remains go whenever you get stuff full of CO4. Yeah. Just and be honest about it, guys. Honest. Just don't lie. Yeah. Well, that's I get yeah. So anyway. All right. Oh, this is great. Like I'm definitely this is a good one. Like it was really intriguing. I don't feel grossed out at all. Just like grossed out in that good way where I'm like, oh, this is interesting. So <laughs> I appreciate it. Cause I feel like the the last one you guys did, I think, upset me a little more. Not in a but you know what I mean. I was fine, but yeah. Yeah. Yay. Oh, was okay. that the lobotomies and teratomas? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I loved it, but it was definitely ugh, this is ugh, awesome. This is what happens when you take a death class when you're 19. So <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. So on that note, let's uh let's let's lighten things up. Uh sickest thing of the week in a good way. Who's got one? Oh, I had a note. I made a note. It was something involving JB that I had to make a note of before we started recording. In- involving me? Yeah. Oh, was it good? Oh wait, yeah, I already remember what it is. Okay. So David, our friend David, texted me the other day just randomly. Um, because we just text each other back and forth. He doesn't have a Facebook, so like I try to keep in touch with him as best I can through text. And he says, Is JB a witch? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, um, kind of like we I both, dabble. Yeah, that's what I basically said. I'm like, we both I definitely, love the occult, and she she's more witchy than I am in many ways. Yeah, I'd be doing a little bit of rituals on a DL in my home. And then it was really funny. The second part of the story, the story is that after I had texted him like a little bit later on that day, like not even that later, maybe only only an hour, I saw on Facebook that you had retweeted that Bill Nye though, like smash that like if you're a slut for the moon. <laughs> I love and, that. And so I texted that to Dave. I'm like, well, you know, to answer your question, JB just says she's a slut for the moon. So, yeah, that's how witchy she is. So that was my sickest thing of the week in a good way. I thought that was funny as shit. JB, what about you? Oh, this week's stuff. Fucking donkey balls. I got nothing good. Oh, yeah. that yeah. was. So I've been there for the past couple of weeks. So I guess for me, it's really that the so basically uh, the past few weeks, I keep saying like, oh, this week sucked. This week sucked. Uh, We have a conference coming up at work. It's next week. So that means all the work I've been doing going into it is finally, I'm not, it's not wrapped up. Anything could happen. Who knows? But, you know, conference is next week. So um, we're kind of in the home stretch and that's good. So I feel a little less stress and every, and everything's like pretty in place. And I also, we're, we're going to Phoenix. So I've never been to Arizona, so that's cool. That's rad. Um, this is actually the first time that I get to travel for work to a state I've never been to, which is awesome. 
Make sure um, you go to try to go to Arizona. No, I'm just kidding. Oh yeah, there's gonna be no time for fun. Yeah, um, we're gonna. I'm gonna. Stuff. I'm gonna be at. I'm gonna be at the hotel the entire time. Like I don't think I'll get to actually see any. I'll have to go back to Arizona and do it properly. But I can at least legitimately say I've been to the state, and which is important to me because I've been to most of them. And after this, I should only have like eight left. I think. Tight. Nice. Yeah. So that's mine. We're, like life's getting a little easier. Oh, and also, um, because I have to burn our PTO year, our like uh, our my work's weird. I don't know if this is like normal if other companies do this, but like our, PTO is paid time off, right? But our, know. but we um ours rolls over like it doesn't start over at the end of the year and like January first. It starts over like in the middle of February, and it doesn't align with our fiscal year. Our fiscal year has already started. So um, tomorrow is actually the last day we can take PTO for 2019. It's weird. Price. I don't get it. Yeah, I know. So I'm actually, uh, yeah, so I'm, I took tomorrow off and then we have Monday off for President's Day. So that's also pretty tight. Tight. Hell yeah. yeah. All right. So if you like what you heard, obviously you did because you're still here. Subscribe to us on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you find your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at That Sick Pod, Instagram on at That Sick Podcast, or email at us at that's.sick.podcast at gmail.com. So that's it for this week, friends. And until next time, try not to blow up grandma with C4 because that's, that's sick. sick.